Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wizard Apprentice podcast. I'm your host, Seth, and welcome to this episode of Monster Manager. We have a lot to look forward to today. Question of the day is how can I incorporate goblinoids into my D&D campaign? But first, let me tell you about what you're listening to. The Wizard Apprentice podcast is designed for players and DMs alike to get short, informational, and purposeful talks that help make D&D more enjoyable and smooth. With talks from character creation, practical guides on monsters, and much more, we are dedicated to improving your game. So again, the question of the day is how can I incorporate goblinoids into my D&D campaign? So a lot of the times, we will see goblins used in the beginning of a D&D campaign. They show up, and you have them for about two sessions, <laughs> And the party becomes strong enough to where they can wipe them out and then they no longer are a threat and they disappear for the rest of the campaign. And that's not that's not bad. That's okay because they're they're not meant to be a final boss. They have a low challenge rating, they're not very difficult. But we are underutilizing our goblinoids because there's not only goblins, there's also hobgoblins and bugbears. And so I think that we are doing them a disservice by only keeping the goblins in. And not even running them right. They could become a rather potent force if they are used correctly. And we can have a lot of fun using them that way. I just recently finished a campaign with one of my friends. Uh, it was in between campaigns that I was running. And I've been a permanent DM for a couple of years now. And so he said, hey, Seth, can I run a small six-week campaign? And you can just kind of hang out and play. Dude, I was so excited. And you know what it was? It was goblins. For le from levels one to five, we were fighting goblins bugbears and got on hobgoblins and it was awesome he executed it perfectly um where it was a challenge up until the very end even though we're still we're still fighting goblinoids and we're level five and we have multi-attack we have fireball we have all these crazy spells and he's and we're still like wow this is dangerous this could this could really go bad because goblinoids can be executed so well if prepared and so today we're going to be diving into how we can prepare goblins hobgoblins and bugbears and how can we incorporate them into combat and our campaigns so what i'm going to do is i'm going to break down each of them separately and then lastly we'll talk about a combat encounter where we can incorporate all of them together let's do it let's dive on in so goblins you find them on page 165 of the Monster Manual. We know them. We love them. Short, little, green, evil people, <laughs> right? Um, they are lazy, undisciplined, selfish, and malicious creatures. They are not good. <laughs> they are considered as neutral evil, so they're, they're rather malicious, um, and they will abuse whatever small bits of power they are given, which is to say, not much. That being said, that they are led by the smartest and strongest of them, which is called a goblin boss. Um, and by stronger, I mean, they have average build, um, which is considered incredibly strong for a goblin. But for us, we'd be like, okay, that all right, good for you. 
good for you, Goblin Boss, man. You can you can bench press 45 pounds. That's awesome. So the goblins are normally subjugated by other goblinoids or other creatures uh, simply because they are not very good at keeping discipline. They're not very good at really a whole lot of the whole military or strategy, and they they need leadership to be an effective force. And so whenever they are given leadership, they can actually turn it around and be all right. But again, like I said, they're lazy and undisciplined. So um, a bugbear chief or a warlord from uh, a hobgoblin warlord will come to a goblin tribe. They will almost certainly fall behind them out of fear. A goblin will do anything to save their life, um, regardless of it, and they will usually flee at the first sign of trouble. Um, They will rat out or give up information if they think it will save themselves. So if you capture a goblin and you say, we're going to kill you, they'll say, no, please, I'll give you anything, everything I have, because goblins do not want to die. They are willing to give up everything to stay alive. The reason they have this fear is because they there is a god that they serve called Maglubiet. Maglubiet uh, is the goblin god. Um, while I, you don't have to incorporate him into your campaign, but if you do, here is why the goblins are afraid of death. They worship him not out of admiration but of fear. A uh, when a goblin dies, they believe that they will go to the plane that Maglubiet is on and will have to serve this. Uh, this god it's an 11 foot tall like this uh, dark skinned black skinned goblin with it's all torn up and battle scarred um, who is all about this evil he's basically just the goblin of all goblins right and so they do not want to serve that at all and they are afraid of going there and so they're willing to do anything to stay away from that Uh, their layers are kind of also insinuate that they are scared little creatures, um, but they are crafty. They have plenty of hidey holes, they have alarms and small traps, and entryways that only a goblin would be able to fit in. Perfect for ambushing or surprising unwanted guests that might enter their um, little holes and their little lairs. A lair is kind of a strong word. It's either going to be a cave or something that they dug out themselves. So, nothing uh, nothing too crazy in there. However, a it can be a rather dangerous place um, to be in a goblin lair. Goblins, while being scared of most things, do have an affinity for small critters, rats, and also wolves. They are rather good at taming them and using them for uh, their desired purpose. So um, rats will just kind of meander around. Uh, they kind of have a similar vibe to goblins. Scared of everything, size, uh, strength in numbers rather than strength in um, a single unit. Um, and they will use wolves when they're hunting or when they're fighting, and they will employ hit-and-run tactics with their wolves. Um, so because they're so undisciplined, any goblin who has any sense of discipline will kind of start to fall into a leadership role, um, even if that leadership is malicious. Uh, so a goblin boss, when they're nearby, they will use that, and they will have at least some semblance of tactics whenever they are rolling with the rest of their uh, goblin friends, we'll call it. Let's take a look at how a goblins might fight if they're found out in the wilderness, either scavenging or hunting small game, and they come across the party and they think either we can take them or, hey, you're on our territory, buzz off, right? So, regular goblins will use 
ranged attacks, and they will hide using their nimble escape, which gives them the ability to hide or disengage as a bonus action. So they'll shoot, and then they'll hide again. If they're hidden, they have advantage on their next attack because they can the the target cannot see where they're coming from, and so they'll use that. They'll shoot with advantage and then hide again. Shoot, hide, shoot, hide, and if God forbid someone closes in on them, they're going to hit them with their scimitar, and then they're going to disengage as a bonus action, and they're going to retreat back to another spot because they do not want to be caught in the thick of it. Um, goblins aren't necessarily stupid. Uh, they aren't necessarily geniuses either. And so, again, because of their undisciplined nature, they're going to flee at the first sign of trouble because there's no backup system for them, right? They're not thinking, oh, I'll retreat here and then we'll activate this trap and then all will be good. They might have traps that roam around their um, around the region that they're around. So maybe there's small pits or a small boulder trap, but there isn't going to be a ton that they're going to have as like a backup plan. They're probably just going to bail. If they have a goblin boss nearby, there is, again, some semblance of tactics. Not much. They will buddy up with another goblin, and they will swing wildly at creatures nearby. And if someone tries to hit the goblin boss, they will grab the goblin and use the redirect attack, which is going to... It's going to take the goblin. It's going to switch places with the goblin. And then the attack that was going to hit the goblin boss will instead hit the goblin that's within five feet of them. So they're kind of this very uh, selfish... Um, leader, if you could even call it that. They have a higher AC than the others, and they will regularly um, employ tactics that will keep them alive rather than their friends. Goblins in a lair, uh, the lair itself will have lots of traps, lots of alarms. Um, so you're thinking... Um, Rocks in buckets. Whenever they press, whenever they like step over a string, it'll ding, 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 ding let people know that there's intruders nearby. Uh, poison darts, uh, pits with spikes, rocks and boulders, fake entrances and exits, um, little hidey holes for the goblins to shoot out of, um, and places for goblins to move and ambush uh, targets that might find themselves in the goblins' lair. So it's not necessarily a great place to be in. However, goblins are scared little creatures and they will use anything that they have to stay alive even if that means completely bailing so if they if they feel like things are going bad the party's wiping them out they're going to dip they're going to leave and they're going to say we're done <laughs> see you or they might be willing to give themselves and say hey hey okay you got me you got me what do you want i'll do anything i'll do anything which could be a fun time for you and your party Next up is the Hobgoblin. The Hobgoblins are found on page 185 of the Monster Manual. The Hobgoblin is a large, muscular humanoid who is actually uh, rather strong and very intelligent. Um, Hobgoblins are a militaristic race who value might and muscle they have this like red and orange skin compared to their goblins their younger cousins who have a green uh, hue to their skin they have disciplined battle strategy and will often employ military tactics um, those who lead will take their position by force and keep it by bullying those around them with it so a goblin war chief or um, they or warlord will use the power that it earned and it gained by basically knocking out the competition. And it uses that and it can it kind of bullies itself into its spot and it kind of keeps itself there. Um, 
they take exceptional care of their equipment. Warlords especially. Warlords, while they don't necessarily lead um, by example, <laughs> they're oftentimes are leading or bossing around people from the back. They are more interested in victory, might, and tactics rather than actually jumping in the fray in battle. However, they are expert uh, they're expert fighters. Um, all hobgoblins are, they value martial prowess and strength above all else. And so they're willing to train and practice uh, as often as they can. Um, other races might be employed by a hobgoblin legion, which is what they call their tribes. Um, a hobgoblin legion has could have um, bugbears, goblins, Evil humans, ogres, and even even giants might have a place in the Legion so long as they all remember who they are working for. Um, in a Legion, every hobgoblin is given a rank and a file and an assignment. No one is left without a job or purpose or task because that is the goblin, the hobgoblin way. They will also um, use goblins, the, their green cousins, and use them as frontline meat shields. Um, because to them, that's all they're good for. Because remember, uh, hobgoblins know that their cousins are dis uh, undisciplined. They are lazy, and they don't they don't do anything without any good leadership. And so they're going to use that and say, okay, well, we need to give them some leadership. Let's put them in the front, and they'll have to either do what we tell them to do, or they're going to die, <laughs> which is kind of how they work. Like their cousins, uh, they actually are trained. Uh, they're able to train animals to do their bidding. So they might use ravenous wolves to keep watch over prisoners or they use horses and oxen to uh, move goods and they might use ravens, trained ravens to um, give long distance messages. Um, so again, like their cousins, they uh, that might be something that a goblin is good for. Maybe there's a goblin who's just really good at taming creatures and they say, okay, you can stick around. How about you just train wolves for us and we'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. Um, Goblins or hobgoblins also are known for their incredible military tactics. Again, they're very militaristic. Um, and with that being said, is that they are not one to take up arms lightly. However, they do never they never tire of battle. They are always seeking more of it. But they will not pick up arms unless they are near certain of victory. And so they will they will perform a lot of reconnaissance and a lot of scouting before deciding, okay, now is the time that we are going to leap in and we're going to wipe these guys out. So they will wait to fight or to wage war unless they are certain that they will win. They are also servants of Marglubiet, like their other goblin uh, cousins. Um, however, they do not necessarily fear death and believe that when they die in battle, their spirits join the honored ranks of Marglubiet's army. Um, which is great. However, uh, they do still understand that military tactics and retreat might be necessary to ensure a long-term victory. Uh, and so we're going to talk about how hobgoblins might run a combat encounter. Normally, they're going to go in teams of four to six. Um, reason being is that they have an ability called martial advantage, where they deal extra damage on weapon attacks if they if the creature they're attacking is near an ally that is not incapacitated. So hobgoblins will go in pairs of two and in teams of four to six. Uh, they have a great AC. They have an 18 armor class with chain mail and shield and they will take 
in pairs of two, they'll run up on somebody and they will begin to hack them down using martial advantage and they'll kind of bounce them off of one another. And then they'll have a group of archers in the back with longbows who are also firing down on the same targets. Again, martial advantage is a very powerful ability. It means that your long your long sword is going to be doing 1d8 plus 2d6 plus 1 damage, which averages out to be about um, 12 damage a hit, um, which from a challenge rating 1.5 or a 1 half, that's pretty good damage doing 12 damage a hit and if there's four to six of them you're kind of you're kind of bumping up to 50 60 points of damage a turn if all of your attacks are hitting um and not to mention if they have a hobgoblin captain uh with them which there might be um hobgoblin captains are kind of leaders um who employ tactics to help ensure the success of their team. They have, again, a decent armor class. They have a 17, and they have multi-attack, where they can make multiple attacks with their greatswords and an even better martial advantage. So they will leap into combat, leap into the fray. They have a higher chance to hit. They're going to flank. They're going to try and uh, whittle you guys down sequentially, and they have an ability called leadership, where um, allies are able to, Add a D4 onto attack rolls or saving throws, provided it can hear and understand the Hobgoblin. So the Hobgoblin captain will use the leadership ability, and then its allies are able to gain bonuses to their attacks. And so that um, he's going to kind of stick in the middle of combat with his allies and try and whittle them down sequentially. When they are retreating, let's say that they decide, okay, enough is enough. We're not going to win this encounter, and we need to keep our team alive because we want to win the war, not the battle. They're going to use the disengage action. Um, the melee combatants will use the disengage action and retreat, while the ranged combatants will fire um, and use uh, longbows to try and slow down the advance of their oppressors, of the enemy. And they'll kind of flip-flop back and forth, retreating and disengaging, then firing, retreating, then firing, retreating, then firing, until they have made themselves out in the clear. The last thing I'll talk about for a regular hobgoblin encounter is that they hate elves. They hate elves and actually will choose to target elves over other creatures, even if doing so might mean a tactical or, or strategy error. If they would, if it's strategic to go after the cleric, who is the one who's healing everybody, but the, but oh man, but the rogue, the rogue is an elf. Oh, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that rogue. Um, they will target the rogue and the elf instead of a more strategic target, simply because of their hatred for them. Uh, it seems like elves just don't get along with hardly any races. Dwarves and elves don't get along. Elves and orcs don't get along. Elves and goblinoids don't get along. I just, dude. They gotta, they gotta figure, they gotta figure this out. The last uh, hobgoblin I'll talk about is the hobgoblin warlord, who is the strongest of them all. A twenty armor class and ninety-seven hit points. So not only is he hard to hit, but he's got quite a bit of HP that you might have to chew through. They have even more martial advantage dice. They have four d six that they can add. So hobgoblin warlord will never fight on their own, even though they certainly would make a great attack they would make a great target uh, and they make for a great final boss for a low level adventure which is what my friend ran that levels one through five he ran his own little thing and a hobgoblin warlord was the last person that we were fighting that ac20 is tough to chew through so let's talk about how he would fight 
Um, he's going to fight not by himself. He's going to probably fight with a hobgoblin captain or a couple of extra hobgoblins around him. The best of the best will be serving and defending the warlord. Um, on his turn, he's going to probably use leadership off rip like the hobgoblin captain has the exact same ability. And then he's going to go on his turns. He's using shield bash at the beginning on his, this first attack because if they fail, if he hits, they'll take damage and then they need to make a saving throw, and if they fail the saving throw, they're knocked prone. Attacking prone creatures from within five feet gives you advantage on your attack rolls. So he's going to knock you prone, and then he's going to take his longsword, and he's going to attack you twice with it. He has a plus nine to hit. Yikes. And with that longsword and martial uh, advantage, if he hits, on average, the longsword is going to do 21 damage. Again, martial advantage is just once per turn, um, but it doesn't specify on the first attack. So the goblin, the hobgoblin can wait until the shield bash goes and they fall prone and then use martial advantage on their next attack with their longsword. Um, they also have the parry ability as a reaction. The hobgoblin adds plus three to their armor class against one melee attack that would hit it. To do so, the hobgoblin must see the attacker and be wielding a melee weapon. So hobgoblin warlords are fierce combatants and they are very powerful creatures. And so if you are fighting them, you have, you got to run for your money, man. You got a lot. You're going to have to chew through looking through the lair of a, uh, hobgoblin. Uh, they are, they are fortified. They are sturdy. You're going to see catapults, traps, several different races, all working underneath the hobgoblins. Everyone has a duty. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a job. Everyone is busy because they are always preparing. They're always preparing. They're always ready, and they are strategic. So there's going to be uh, defenses set up. There's going to be um, looks like sieges are mounting and being prepared, um, and also they might have prisons where they might keep prisoners for questioning and interrogation because they are going to wait until they have enough information before they begin to wage war. Next up is the bugbears. Bugbears are found on page 33 of the monster manual. I encourage you to look this up yourself. Bugbears are awesome. They are one of my favorite um, races uh, that is an optional monstrous race. They are really cool. Uh, my friend that I was talking about that was running that goblin um, campaign, he is now, he's again, he's a player in my campaign and he is playing as a bugbear barbarian named Tosca. What a cool character. He'll be on the show at some point. He'll be talking about some of the stuff that he is passionate about. One of the best DMs and one of the best players I could ever ask for. So he's playing a bugbear. Let's talk about them. They are tall, lanky, and muscular and hairy creatures that are that are brutal. Brutal and cunning. <laughs> That's a little Warhammer reference for you guys. Um, brutal and cunning bugbears are uh, not necessarily smart. However, they do employ ambush tactics. For being so tall and so lanky, you'd think that they wouldn't be very stealthy. But the average bugbear has a plus six in their stealth modifier. So they are going to be very stealthy. They're going to be hiding and they're going to be looking for places to ambush. Um they will often enslave goblins that they encounter, um, but they can also be hired as mercenaries because they are sentient creatures and they can speak common. Um, chances are is that if there's bugbears around, there might be people that might hire them as mercenaries to either scout or be shock troopers. 
um, because they 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 can lay the smack down. We'll talk about their stat blocks in a second. Um, fighting a bugbear is scary, though. They have high damage, decent AC and HP, and they are oftentimes the boulder that will break through a brick wall that might be a, a stalwart defender. Oh, there's a stalwart defender. We can't really get through him. Send down the bugbear. Let him lay the smack down on him. Um, again, because of their high stealth, they will often employ ambush tactics. Um, it's kind of confusing whether to think, are the bugbears going to charge in? Or are they going to scream like, ah, and charge in? Or are they going to instead silently attack? And oftentimes they will employ a little bit of everything. They will ambush and then they will leap in and get into the fray. They have javelins that they can throw so they can deal some range damage and then close in the distance and go from there. They serve the god known as Hrugek. Um, H-R-U-G-G-E-K. Hrugek. Um, it is a lesser god and they believe that if they take down as many foes as possible, they might be able to serve in that god's warband when they die. So they believe that I'm going to go down swinging. Not necessarily. I, I say that. Um, they're going to take down as many foes as possible. They do still value their life and they're willing to flee and they will actually give up on any any bonds or any relations with others if it means that, that it might save them. If there is an injured hobgoblin in a tribe, they might give up that one if it means the rest of the tribe might survive. So, rather brutal, um, but they they believe that if they live to see another day, they can continue to fight and continue to bring down foes so that they're able to eventually join Hragek in um, in his war 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 band. Yikes. <laughs> Let's talk about these guys. Let's talk about their stat blocks. Bugbears, regular bugbears have a 16 armor class, and they also have a 27 HP, which is quite a decent amount of HP for a basic, you know, soldier. Um, high stealth means that, they might, that they're going to ambush you, um, and it also means that they have an ability called surprise attack, where if they attack a creature that is... Um, <laughs> If the, if the bugbear surprises a creature and it hits with an attack during the first round of combat, the target takes an extra 2d6 damage from the attack. So if they ambush, they are they are rewarded with extra damage, which is to say they're already doing a lot of damage, so that's going to be insane. Um, they have the ability called Brute, which means that they just deal one extra damage dice when they are attacking with a melee weapon. Um, and we'll look at that. Their Morningstar does 2d8 damage. Wow, that is a lot of damage, and that is going to hurt pretty bad. So just be uh, careful as you are um, running your combat encounters that those bugbears, they're going to hurt, man. They are really strong and really powerful creatures. So a bugbear is going to charge in. It's going to ambush. It's going to hit somebody, deal a ton of damage. On average, a surprise attack with the Morningstar is going to deal 18 damage, which can be a, quite a bit to set off. A, a barbarian who hasn't raged yet and they have a lot of HP, they're level five, they're feeling cocky and you hit them with 18 damage. You're like, Ooh, okay. It's got a little kick. It's got a little umph to it. Yeah. Um, fighting bugbears, they are swinging and they are ferociously trying to bring down the toughest foes. And they are, their goal is to again, gl uh, be, be fighting with glory and, and strength. But, if they believe that they are going to lose, they will either surrender or they will flee if it means that it might save a bugbear's life. 
Talking about a chief, a bugbear chief is who leads a small band of bugbears. Um, they have an even higher AC at 17, and they have 65 HP. A lot of HP. They have intimidation. They have the same stealth modifier. They have the same abilities as a bugbear. However, they have two different features. One is that they have multi-attack, so they can make two attacks per turn with, with their Morningstar or their Javelins. It's a lot of damage. On average, that means that if a Morningstar hits twice, they're going to deal 24 damage a turn, and that is a lot of damage. <laughs> Uh, they also have the ability called Heart of Hrugek. I like just saying Hrugek. Um, the bugbear has advantage on saving throws against being charmed, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, stunned, or put to sleep. So bugbear chiefs are going to wave off conditions, and they're going to try and continue to wail on uh, their enemies and their foes. Uh, bugbears, again, they similarly have a might is right type of uh, feeling. And so... Uh, the strongest of them is definitely going to be the one that leads the bugbears. They are rather undisciplined, um, and they are kind of uh, wavering allies at best. However, if they are fed, and they are given to drink, and they are given treasure, they can make for fine mercenaries. Even for humanoid settlements, even for humans and, and, and the like, they can employ a hobgoblin, or not hobgoblin, sorry, a bugbear to serve as a mercenary if the, if the need arises. Um, talking about a lair of a bugbear, bugbears don't necessarily have lairs. They are wandering warbands. However, a wandering warband of bugbears is going to have uh, quite a bit of treasure that's left uh, and quite a bit of uh, war, like, war uh, trophies and stuff that they might take from other um, tribes, other clans, or just other settlements that they raid and attack. Um, let's talk about if we were to use all of these guys combined, all of them together, goblins, hobgoblins, and bugbears. I'm going to set the stage for this really quick. There is a legion, a hobgoblin legion, who is on the outskirts of civilization. And they are wanting to conquer this region. And they are building and amassing an army. And they decide, hey, we're going to send a small force. And they are, we've already scouted out this area. It's a small little, small little village. And we're going to go and try and show them who's boss. And we're going to try and take them out. And the party catches wind of this. And they say, we got to stop this. So they get to the city. And they're able to get there just in time. They see... Off in the distance, they see about four to six um, hobgoblins and a hobgoblin captain. Um, this party is probably going to be about level five for this encounter. Um, and this is going to be a very, very difficult encounter for a level five party. So four to six uh, hobgoblins and a hobgoblin um, captain. Very, very powerful force. Just that by itself. Then in front of them, they see these small, scared out of their mind goblins who are holding these spears and shimitars that are shaking in their hands because they know if they try and run, they're done for. If they try and fight, they're done for. And they know that this is probably the end for those goblins in front of the hobgoblins, of course. Um, and lying in wait would be two bugbears that are hiding on either side of the party and that are waiting for this signal of the captain so that they might ambush the party on all sides. Initiative is rolled, and the goblins are thrusted in, and they are they are forced to fight. The uh, 
wow, the Hobgoblin captain uses its leadership ability and the rest of the Hobgoblins are firing at a distance using the martial advantage ability that they have to deal extra damage on their ranged attacks while the Goblins are begun to, they begin to be cut down uh, by the party. After the Goblins are then cut out, a handful of the Hobgoblins will then charge in, uh, taking out shields and swords and begin to charge into the party. At that time, the Hobgoblin captain gives the call and the two bugbears will leap out of com uh, out of their hiding spot and will charge and flank on either side. So now the party is dealing with four to six hobgoblins. They've already cut down a couple of the goblins. They have a hobgoblin captain who's leading everybody. And on the left and right, there are two bugbears who are coming in, one on each side, and they are beginning to just show as wrecking balls trying to take out this party. That is a dangerous, dangerous attack. Um, honestly, that is, I would say, a very difficult encounter for a level 5 party. The level 5 party is going to have their work cut out for them to get out of that. A lot of damage being thrown at them. But luckily, a majority of the uh, enemies do not have a ton of HP. This will be a, well, with the exception of the bugbears, the um, hobgoblin captain, uh, this will be a rather quick encounter, it feels like. There's a lot of enemies to chew through, um, and some of them have a decent amount of, H uh, of AC, but a lot of their HPs are pretty low. An average Hobgoblin has 11 HP, and an average Goblin has 7. So, one to two attacks per each, you're going to start bringing them down. Um, this, but again, there's a lot of them to chew through. So, this could be a very dangerous encounter. If I knock a character unconscious, I am not going to kill them. Not in this encounter. This encounter, instead, I'm going to knock them unconscious. And the bugbears, let's say they knock them unconscious, they're going to grab them and they're going to drag them away. If a hobgoblin knocks them down, they're going to stand over them. They're not going to really watch them so, like, and like protect them so much as they're just saying, hey, you can't come close to your friend. He's ours now. And they'll use two of the archers. They'll come up and they'll grab them and they'll retreat back now holding on to this hostage. Again, I'm knocking them uh, I'm knocking them non-lethally. I'm going to knock them unconscious. Rather than having them make saving throws, I would just say, hey, non-lethally, you're knocked unconscious and you're drag, you're drug away. Then, let's say I bring down all these party members, all four of them. I'll say everything goes dark for a moment. And you guys you guys hear the cheering of of these hobgoblins and bugbears and how, how happy they are. They're speaking in goblinoid and you can catch out faint, faint words. And they'll all wake up in the legion, in the prison of the legion. Then they're forced to answer questions, and more shenanigans can happen. And it can be a fun prison break. Uh, they might be able to escape and try and take on the war, um, the warlord himself of the hobgoblins. You can do a lot with that. But again, that is a very dangerous combat encounter that can be really fun and really challenging for the party. But overall, that's it. Um, goblins can be an excellent, excellent combat encounter for your party if you so wish. My encouragement to you is this, is that if you are using them, spice it up, man. It can be really fun. Uh, again, I had a six-week campaign where we were leveling up pretty much every session, and we were having an absolute blast fighting goblins for six sessions. You can do a lot with goblins and hobgoblins and, and bugbears. You just have to be creative with it. So, um don't 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 skip out on on your goblins too early because you're going to miss out on a lot of really cool stuff
But again, that is all for this episode of Monster Manager. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the Wizard Apprentice Podcast. Um, we have a schedule where we're setting to release pretty much five times a week. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time.